of 2 Thessalonians, and we're going to be in chapter 2 tonight, 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, and uh, we'll begin there in verse 1 here uh, momentarily. Uh, we went through uh, the first chapter uh, here uh, last week, and as we went through uh, the first chapter of 2 Thess- Thessalonians, we noticed, of course, how the Apostle Paul, uh, there in the first several verses, how he, great, how he gave a uh, a great uh, salutation uh, in reference to uh, the Thessalonians that were there. He commended them for their spiritual growth and uh, talked about their patience and their faith and uh, and how they were growing. Uh, and so uh, he done the same thing there in First Thessalonians. Whenever he spoke about them, he gave them uh, a, a tremendous praise for how good they were doing. Uh, he was uh, very blessed. Uh, at uh, the work that was being done uh, and very thankful uh, that even after they had left uh, that progress was still moving forward. Uh, And Timothy was down there. Of course, you had Silas and Paul and Timothy. They had all went down there and they were together. And uh, and then Paul uh, was was, uh, somewhere else and wasn't able to be down there with them. And so Timothy was down there uh, with them and, and helping them out. And so Paul is... Uh, uh, in First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, showing the people how grateful and thankful that he is uh, that they are continuing to grow uh, and that they are uh, being uh, great examples uh, of the church to the whole world, despite the the uh, things that they were facing, despite the tribulations and the trials and the hard times that they are dealing with. Uh, he was very thankful that they were continuing; they were being steadfast uh, in their faith in Christ, despite everything that they were going through. Uh, and as we, uh, of course, get into Second Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, we're going to see that one of the reasons why that the Apostle Paul was writing Second uh, Thessalonians was because uh, there was some confusion about some things concerning the rapture and the revelation of Christ, uh, some things that were uh, confusing about what some, you know, we call the day of Christ, which refers to the rapture, and then the day of the Lord, which refers to after the rapture takes place and the man of sin is revealed, which is the Antichrist, and on into the tribulation period. Uh, and there were some folks that was coming in that were teaching some, uh, some doctrines that were different. Uh, there were folks that, of course, had come in uh, through the churches and had, uh, as the Apostle Paul shows us here in just, uh, here in just a little bit, there in verse 2, shows us that there were people that actually came in and wrote letters uh, that were teaching doctrine and, and telling the churches things, uh, and were, and almost it seems that they were uh, putting the Apostle Paul's name to it. When, as a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul never said anything about it. Uh, and so the Apostle Paul was going around doing the best that he could to teach uh, these churches and give them the right thing. But uh, there were folks that were going in right behind him that were just tearing up the work that he was doing. But of course, that's what the devil does. Uh, anytime the truth is moving forward and anytime God's working and moving, the devil's doing everything he can to go right behind that and tear things up, bring people to confusion uh, and all of that, get them to doubt God, doubt God's word. Uh, you know, he's, the devil's been doing that since the Garden of Eden. Of course, we see that whenever Adam and Eve, when they were there, uh, and uh, when the devil got alone with, uh, with Eve and they were walking there in the garden, he, he turned to her and said, Hath God said? You know, so he's been doing everything he could from the very beginning to bring doubt and confusion to God's Word. And so uh, it is uh, no surprise that as the church is blossoming and as the church is growing and moving and uh, and. Uh, moving out to different cities and different areas as churches are being planted, 
uh, that the devil's going to do what he can to disturb things and cause a ruckus and bring confusion and doubt to people's minds. Uh, he does the same thing today. I mean, it's, it's nothing new. Uh, it's been happening since the beginning. It still happens today. Uh, and so all we can do is, is uh, preach the truth and go around and make sure that everybody is understanding the gospel clearly and, uh, and get the word of God out to as many people as we can, the truth of the word of God. And so that's what the Apostle Paul was doing. So when he writes this book of 2 Thessalonians, he is uh, trying to uh, show the folks that, listen, I know you have heard some things that were not right. Uh, you've heard some teaching that wasn't correct. And so I want to bring you some, some peace of mind about, uh, about some things concerning the rapture and the revelation of the Lord Jesus. And so uh, there in chapter 1, here in uh, 2 Thessalonians, as we studied last week, there in verse 3 he talked about how their faith was growing exceedingly and how he was very happy about that. And verse 4 about their patience and their faith and uh, despite all the persecutions and tribulations that they were going through uh, that we've seen in the book of Acts chapter 17. Uh, and then the, as we move on uh, he, we get into chapter 2 and as he begins to speak concerning uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ he's talking about the second coming which is the revelation also known as the day of the Lord. Now as he's talking about that, there are some things that people have gotten confused about the rapture that he talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and the second coming of Christ where the Lord Jesus actually comes and sets foot down on the earth. And folks were being confused about that. And so the Apostle Paul uh, wanted to set some things straight because the teaching that some of these folks had heard uh, from some imposters that had come in was that they had missed the boat. I mean, I tell you what, how terrible it would be to feel like you missed the, you missed the rapture and now you're going through the tribulation period. And, uh, and so that's where these, these folks kind of felt like they were at. Uh, and so as we begin chapter 2, let's take a look at what the Apostle Paul shows us from the Word of God. He says here, Now uh, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. So in essence, what he's trying to get them to see is he's saying as we're talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus, as we are leaving the rapture and talking about the second coming, uh, he says, uh, let's make sure that in essence that we got everything straight in regards to our gathering together uh, unto Him. So we get there in verse 2. And he says that you be not so soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, uh, that the day of Christ is at hand. And of course, uh, he's trying to get them to see that, you know, uh, that the, the, the rapture uh, is something that it's on its way. It hasn't happened yet. And the people were thinking that they had missed it. Uh, but he's telling them that, listen, now the rapture hasn't taken place yet, but it is coming and it can happen at any time. Uh, but he's telling them that, listen, the rapture hasn't taken place. You haven't missed it. And so he wanted to teach them that, listen, uh, the revelation of Christ is on the way, but there's some things that's going to happen. There's some things that's going to take place first before, uh, before uh, anybody sees any of that. And so notice there in, uh, there in verse 2, he says... He's writing that they be not so soon shaken in mind. 
And I think there's one thing the devil wants us to be tonight, and that is to make sure that the, the people are shaken in their minds. The devil doesn't want anybody to be able to stand on truth. The devil, the devil doesn't want anybody to, uh, to be uh, feeling like they can be confident in, in God's truth or confident in God's word. Uh, the devil wants to bring confusion. He wants to bring doubt. And when that takes place, what happens is, is we become shaken in our minds. We begin to doubt our faith. We, can be, we begin to doubt the word that we see, the word of God that we have present there in front of us. And so the Apostle Paul, wants to make sure that the people are not shaken in their mind because listen, if the devil can begin to shake us in our mind and we lose the, we lose the battle of our mind, then what's going to take place in the, uh, with, with, the, with the rest of us? I mean, if we lose the battle with our mind, then we're probably going to be losing the battle with other things because our mind is what directs us into so many other areas. I mean, we're talking about fear and, 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 and doubt and, uh, and, and all, these other, all these other different things. And so if the devil can shake us in our mind and he can get us to lose ground and, and, and lose our footing and feel like that we've lost the foundation of the truth of what has been told to us and preached to us, then he can get us to fall in some other areas of our life and get us to doubt the truths that we know are already true. Uh, you know, sometimes, listen, the devil's really good at trying to get us to doubt things that we already know to be true. Have you ever, have you ever heard somebody come along and say something? You already knew what the truth was, but somebody came along and, and, and began to preach on something or said something that, that wasn't right, but then when you heard it, you began to think about it and think, hey, I wonder if they're right. But you already know what the truth is. Uh, and so what we see is, is that we see the devil does everything he can to get us shaken in our mind so that we do not trust in the infallible Word of God. And so the Apostle Paul there in verse 2 wants to help the folks because he feels that they have become shaken in their mind and he doesn't want them to be that way because notice what happens when you're shaken in your mind. What follows that? There in verse 2, he says that you be not so soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Because listen, when you're shaken in your mind, the next thing that follows that is that you're troubled in your spirit you troubled in your heart. He doesn't want them to be troubled. He doesn't, he doesn't want them to be shaken. He wants them to know that, listen, the rapture could happen at any time. The rapture could happen at any moment. But understand, we're not going through the tribulation period yet. Uh, we're not in the middle of all these things yet because there's some things that's going to happen. There's some things that's going to take place before we get to that tribulation period. And so he's going to get into that here in just a couple of seconds. But he, but he wants them to, to know that that they are safe and secure in the Lord Jesus, that the Lord has promised, of course, in Revelation chapter 3, and we see it, that he would keep us from the hour of temptation that's going to come upon the old earth. Uh, and so, uh, which is, of course, uh, uh, the tribulation period, God's people anyway. Uh, and so we see that there in verse 2, he doesn't want them to be shaken in mind, he doesn't want them to be troubled, but notice he says that you be not so soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word. Uh, whether it's coming from, uh, whether, regardless of what kind of spirit that it's coming from or, or, or whether it's by word or whether it's by letter. Listen, the devil's doing everything he can uh, to discourage hearts. What does the Bible say is going to happen in the last days? The Bible says that in the last days, what we're going to see is, is we're going to see people that are being, uh, the, the Bible talks about seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And so what we're going to see is, is in the last days, in which I believe in which we're in right now, of course we've been in the last days for a long time now, 
But I believe that we're in the latter part of the last days. And one of the things that we're going to see is, and we see through the scriptures, is that the Bible talks about that in the last days, that people are going to be leaving the truth. They're going to abandon the truth. And they're going to seek teachers having tickling ears. Uh, they're going to leave the truth. And they're going to, they're going to look for people that will tell them what they want to hear. And what they want to hear will then become their truth. Well, listen, uh, listen, the, you know, the Bible tells me a lot of things that I want to hear, but the Bible also tells me a lot of things that probably that I didn't want to hear. And that's how sinful of a person that I am, right? I mean, none of us likes to be told that we're wrong. None of us likes to be told that we're, that we're sinful and we deserve a devil's hell and all that kind of stuff. But that's exactly what the Bible does. But that is truth. The Bible tells us that we're lost. The Bible tells us that we're sinners. But it also offers us the truth of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but we see that, uh, that in the last days, the Bible says that there's going to be people who will seek teachers that are uh, having itching ears. They, all they want to do is hear the sugar-coated preaching. All they want to do is hear what's going to help me, uh, what, what's going to help me feel better today. And, 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 and all they care about is a, is a feel-good prosperity gospel. Listen, I like to feel good when I leave church. And, and I like to hear about God's blessings. But listen, I want to hear the truth of God's word. I want to hear every single bit of it, every single precept, every jot and every tittle of God's word needs to be preached. Not just the good things, not just the things that make us feel good, but I'm talking to, I'm talking every single bit of it. The part that calls us sinners and, and, all the, and all the parts of the Bible that pick out our sin and stomp on our feet. Uh, you know, we need to hear it all. Uh, and so the whole counsel of the word of God. Uh, but the Bible shows us in the last days that people are going to abandon that and they're going to seek teachers that'll tickle their ears that'll tell them what they want to hear that'll tell them just exactly how good they are that they don't have anything that they need to worry about they're, they're, they're going to be just fine and that's not true and the Bible shows us here and there in verse 2 he says neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter regard listen what's behind all these foul doctrines that are out here in the in the in the world today is doctrines of devils and it's coming from seducing spirits from the devil himself. The Bible says that's exactly where it's going to come from. The Bible says that's exactly what's going to, how it's going to happen. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils is what's going to be, uh, is what's going to be limelighting the latter part uh, of the last days. Uh, and the Bible shows us uh, that the Apostle Paul didn't want the people to be so troubled in their mind and so shaken in their, uh, shaken in their mind and troubled uh, in, their, in their hearts, uh, whether it came from a spirit nor by word. Notice he says, nor by letter as from us. Because people were coming in and, and trying to, uh, they were sending letters to the church and almost like they were signing the apostles' names to it, like the apostles actually wrote it. And then they would take it and they'd read it to the, they'd read it to the church like they like because they thought it actually come from them. And as they would read it, the people would be confused. Well, I thought the Apostle Paul said this, and I thought the Apostle Paul said that. You know, it's hard to imagine that people would be signing the name of the Apostle Paul or one of the other disciples and sending those letters to the church. But see, that's what the devil does. The devil does everything he can to, uh, to destroy. He does everything he can to imitate. He does everything he can to, uh, to confuse and to doubt. And that's exactly what he was doing there in verse 2. Notice what happens. He says, let no man deceive you. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Come a falling away first. And so 
One of the things that we're going to see throughout the scriptures, the day of Christ, uh, referring to the rapture of the church, uh, and then the day of the Lord, referring to the second coming. Uh, and he says there in verse 3, he says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Uh, and so what we see is that in the last days, what's going to happen is, is uh, there is going to be a great falling away from the church. The Bible preaches that. The Bible shows that. You go over to the book of Revelation and you see in the latter part of the last days, you see in the church, you see that uh, in essence the Lord Jesus standing on the outside, looking on the inside of the church, seeing what's going on. And the, and, and the Bible says that the people, it's almost like they have no need of him. I mean, they're acting like they don't even need him. They're acting like that, you know what, we're just fine. You know, the Bible says that, uh, uh, the Bible says, oh, well, we have this, and they said we have this, and we have, we, have, we have everything that we need. I mean, the Bible actually talks about the churches in the last days as being prosperous. I mean, that seems like they have money. It seems like they have all they need. I mean, they got big, mag, uh, beautiful churches. You know, they, they got the padded fuse, and they got the brand new carpets, and they got the brand new buildings, and, and they got all the these things but they don't have Jesus they got the big cathedrals and they uh, and, and, and they even listen and church is packed and full of people listen just because the church is packed and full of people don't mean Jesus is there don't mean that Jesus is getting the preeminence above all things just because a, just because a, a church is packed and full of people uh, doesn't mean that God's got his blessing on it doesn't always mean that. Listen, just because a church has a steeple don't mean it's the church of Christ. Doesn't mean it's a godly church. Uh, and so one of the things that we see is the Lord Jesus standing on the outside in the last days and he sees a church that feels like they have all that they need. But they don't have Jesus. And Lord Jesus, you know what the Bible says about them? He says, you know what, you look warm and you make me sick. He says, you look warm and you make me sick. Isn't that something to think tonight that we would might make God sick, that God's people would make God sick? He says, you know what, my church in the last days is described as a church that they feel like they have no need for me uh, and, um, and they're just lukewarm. Uh, and the Bible says, in essence, that they make God sick. And the Bible says here and tells us here in verse 3, he says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And so the Apostle Paul tells them that, listen, there's going to be a great falling away from the church. There's going to be a great mass of people. There's going to be a time where people are going to fall away. They're going to, in essence, apostatize from the church. They're going to abandon the truth that they know. And they're going to walk away from it. And they're going to disassociate with it. And I think the further and the further that we go, we can look across America today, the Christian capital of the world. And I think we can look across America today and see that very same thing happening. I think we can look across America today and we can see... Uh, we can see churches that are just indifferent, God's people that are just indifferent about so many different, about, about everything. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of sin it is. It doesn't matter what's going on. I mean, we see, uh, we see churches all across America that are adopting all kinds of sin. They say all these things is okay. Oh, well, the times are just changing. And so as the times change, the church needs to evolve and change with the world. No. I don't think so. The church doesn't evolve and change with the world. The Bible says about the Lord 
And God said, I change not. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so to think that the church should evolve and change, I'm talking about their doctrine. I'm not talking about the color of the carpet or whether or not we ought to have a speaker in the church or not. I'm talking about doctrines of the church. The Lord Jesus doesn't change. God doesn't change. And what God said was a sin a long time ago is still a sin today. Well, all the things that God has written in his holy book, all the things that God said were not right, all the things that God called out sin, all these things that God said were not true and all the things that God said were true, it's still the same today as it was the day it was penned in God's word. No matter what year it is, no matter what age we're living in, no matter what church we're in, the doctrine must be the same. The Bible says, he says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. The great apostasy uh, from the church, the Bible says in the last days. Well, what does the Bible characterize in the last days in the book of Timothy? The Bible says uh, that people will be incontinent, out of control, haters, despisers, unthankful, ungrateful, unholy, and all these things that the Bible describes how the people will be in the last days. And we look around today and we can definitely see that we're going towards that period. We can definitely see that that's coming. I mean, it seems like almost every year the things are getting worse and worse and worse. Now, are you saying that, uh, you saying that uh, there can't be great revivals and people not going to get saved? No, I didn't say that at all. I think God's still moving. God's still doing great things. I believe God can still do great things. I believe great revivals can still take place. Uh, but, but we also understand we also understand that there has to come a winding down. And the Bible says that as the time winds down, you're going to see these things happen. You're going to see these things taking place. The Bible says, let no man beat and let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. An apostasy from the church, a withdrawal from the church of God. I remember whenever I became a pastor, or actually before I became a pastor, when I was still in, when I was still in, um, when I was still in uh, seminary, uh, my pastor told me, he said, Brian, he said, I hope that you're able to see some of the same things that I saw in my ministry. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, I, he said you know, he said, I remember whenever I was, he said, when I first started pastoring, he said, I remember the time, he said, you could walk out to the church sign and say, preaching on the second coming Sunday, and the church would be packed out with people. Now you know what you got to do to get somebody in church. You got to drag a chicken leg through it. I'm just saying. Just being honest. If you don't offer entertainment and you don't offer a chicken leg, and I'm not saying that those things are necessarily bad in and of itself. I'm just saying people want to be entertained today. People want to be more entertained today than they are, than they are desiring to hear the word of God. If, all, if the only thing that keeps us where we're at is entertainment, then I think we should... That should tell us a lot about ourselves. We ask ourselves, why are we where we're at? Why do I come to church? Do I come to church because I got great chicken? Do I come to church, you know, for, for why, why are you here? Why do you come to church? Do you come to church because you love the Lord? Do you come to church because you want to hear God speak to your heart? Do you come to church because you want to grow and you, you, want, to, you want to hear God speak? 
Because if you do, those are the right reasons. But listen, all across America tonight, there are people in churches everywhere that are there for many other reasons other than desiring to hear from God. The Bible says in the last days there's going to be a great apostasy from the church. That people are going to withdraw. They're going to cast aside the doctrines of the faith. Well, I know they said you can get to heaven another way, but you know, they really got a great program. I know that, you know, they said that the Bible, you know, that, that it's not infallible. They said the Bible's got some errors in it. But, you know, I tell you what, I, I sure do like those teachers down there. Or I sure do like that preacher. Listen, let me tell you something. You can like all these things. But if the Bible, if they're not teaching the right thing, then you don't need to be there. The Bible shows us right here that in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away and people are going to cast aside the truth. Cast aside the truth for what? For their own entertainment, for many other different reasons. The Bible says, let no man deceive you. For by any means that that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed. Well, who's the man of sin? So the Apostle Paul tells them that, listen, we're not in the great tribulation period yet. But what's going to happen, though, is, is that there's going to be a great falling away of God's people. And then after the great falling away of God's people, one of the things that we're going to see, of course, is the rapture of the church. God's people are going to be called up into heaven. And then what's going to happen? Then what's, what are we going to see? Well, he shows us that one of the next things that's going to happen is, is the man of sin will be revealed. The Antichrist himself will step onto the scene. Well, I tell you what, what greater way for the Antichrist to, what greater way for the Antichrist to lead a group of people to hell when he's got a whole bunch of people that care nothing about God. I'm so glad the Christians are gone. I'm glad, I'm glad all those Bible thumpers are out of the way. I'm glad all those people that was telling me how I was living was wrong. I'm glad all those people that kept coming to my house and telling me that I needed to get saved before it was too late. Man, I'm so glad all them people's out of here. Now they got the Antichrist standing before them, the false prophet standing there. The Bible says that they'll have power filled by the devil himself to perform miracles and deceive the people. The Bible says about the Antichrist that he'll suffer a wound to the head, be dead for three days and rise again. Imitation of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. The Bible shows us right here, there in, there in verse 3, he says, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be, re be revealed. The Bible calls him the son of perdition. Son of perdition. And the people were thinking, you know, we've missed the rapture. Now we're in the tribulation period and, and uh, here they are looking for, all these, looking for all these terrible things to happen. You know, they feel like they've done missed the boat. Now we're going to go through a difficult time. And the Apostle Paul said, no, the rapture hasn't even taken place yet. He says, but when the rapture takes place, he says, what's going to happen is, is, is that the man of sin will be revealed. The Antichrist will be made known. And the Antichrist wasn't here yet or hadn't been made known yet. And he says, listen, we hadn't seen any of these things. And of course, listen, I won't, be here whenever, I won't be here whenever the Antichrist is revealed to everybody. I'll be in heaven, amen? I'm not planning on going through the tribulation period. Uh, but the Bible says, let no man deceive you about these things. And what's the, what's the Antichrist going to do? 
The Bible says there in verse 4, he says, who opposes. What's the the Antichrist, the son of perdition, this man of sin? The Bible says that he will oppose him. He will uh, will oppose and exalteth himself above all that is called God. He will oppose anything that has anything to do with God. He will exalt himself. He will exalt himself above God. The Bible says above all that is called God. He will say that he is, he is God himself. He's greater than there's any airy God that's ever been. He will exalt himself above all that is called God. Watch this now. Or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. I'm talking about the Jerusalem temple that will be rebuilt and the Antichrist sitting in the new rebuilt Jerusalem temple claiming himself to be God. The Apostle Paul shows him and tells him that, listen, these things are going to happen. This is what's going to happen during the tribulation period. And he says, listen, these things haven't happened. You haven't seen any of this stuff. So don't let your mind be, be shaken. Don't let your heart be troubled because we're not in that period yet. But the Apostle Paul says the day is coming where this man of sin, the Antichrist, will exalt himself above all that is God. He will exalt himself above all that is worshipped. He will require everyone to worship him. And he'll sit there in the temple, in the temple of God, there in Jerusalem, showing himself that he is God. And people will bow down to the Antichrist, and they're fueled even further by the false prophet that is there with him, and people will will, uh, exalt the Antichrist as God. And the Bible shows, it goes on to say there in verse 5, he says, Remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. So there in verse 6, he says, I want you to understand something. He says, the Antichrist is not going to be fully revealed. Listen, the devil's not going to have full reign on this earth just yet. Because he says, and now you know what withholdeth. That withholdeth there, you know what that is? That's the church. That's God's people. The church is what's restraining. The church is the Holy Spirit of God is is what's withholding and keeping the uh, evil at bay. Keeping uh, uh, keeping the devil from having full reign on this earth. Full power on this earth such as he would desire. Because listen, if the devil had the opportunity, he'd just kill us all tonight. If the devil had the opportunity, if he could... He'd just take us all out tonight. He'd take as many Christians out as he could with the time that he had. But the only thing that's, that's keeping the devil from doing that is the power of God. God's got a, a hedge of protection about us tonight. The Holy Spirit, the church is still here. And as long as the church is still here, the full power of the devil is not going to be revealed yet. The, uh, the full evilness and wickedness of the devil is not going to come upon this earth because... The uh, church is still here at this moment. The church is the, in the Holy Spirit of God. The church filled with the Holy Spirit of God because as the church, the people, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and dwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what's keeping at bay the evil of the man of sin, the evil of the devil himself. 
And he says there in verse 7, he says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. What's he, what's he mean, the mystery of iniquity? Talking about the... He says, we haven't got to that point yet. We haven't got to that place yet where, uh, where the devil is going to have free reign on this earth and, be, and, and, have, and have the power that he desires over this earth. He says, however... However, the system, in essence, is already in place. There's wickedness that's already here. Uh, you know, as we've studied and went through 1 first, first John, 2 John, 3 John, and we went through 1 Thessalonians, we see in the teachings, uh, we've seen in these teachings how uh, even the Apostle John uh, talked about how that in this world that uh, the spirit of Antichrist is already here. And that was back in John's day, talking about how the spirit of Antichrist was already prevalent. And so the apostle Paul is also saying that the mystery of iniquity doth already work. The evilness, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the sinful system is already at play. The devil's already got plans. He's already doing everything he can to work on the hearts and minds of people, to twist them and to discourage them and to get them to doubt in God's word. I mean, we look around in society today and uh, we can just see over the last several years the things that, uh, the, things that, uh, this, uh, that the world or even our, even our country, even some churches have adopted uh, as being uh, uh, things that are against God. For one, uh, homosexual marriage. That it's okay. I mean, the, you know, uh, I love the United States and the United States can say that that's okay that a man marry a man, but according to God, it's not. Our country can say that it's all right to kill babies, that it's all right to take that little child from the womb and murder it and kill it. But according to God, it's not. Listen, there's all kinds of things that the world's adopting today. And even churches today adopting the philosophies of homosexual marriage and, and uh, women pastors and, 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 and all these different things and abortion and all these things that churches today are adopting and saying it's okay. And it's not. It's unholy and it's against God. The Bible shows us right here that, listen, he says the mystery of iniquity does already work. The, uh, the evil system is already going. Listen, if the church, if the church will say that it's okay to kill the youngins, if the church will say, if the church will say, well, it's okay to uh, it's okay to have the women pastors. If the church will say, well, it's okay to uh, to perform to, to have uh, homosexual marriages. If the church will say all that, what else will the church not do? I mean, everything else is is just ready for the taking. I mean, if we'll say it's okay to commit murder, and we'll say it's okay to, uh, we'll say it's okay to um, uh, destroy the traditional marriage, which is what the devil's doing, and has done. And if we'll say that the church will say that that's okay, what else? What else is there left? I mean, what else are we willing to give up? The devil. Listen, the mystery of iniquity is already working. The devil's already doing everything he can to come out here and, and warp people's minds. I mean, for crying out loud, people don't even know if they're men or women anymore. Amen? I'm being serious. People don't even know if they're boys or girls anymore. 
And, and, and we're living in a society that says, well, it's okay. You can figure it out someday. You know, I figured it out on day one. When Bryce was born, I knew he was a boy. I'm just telling you, folks, the mystery of iniquity is already working and we are fastly progressing uh, into a society that will one day be as far away from God as we, would, we can even begin to imagine. I mean, we begin to think that things right now is terrible. I mean, we see everything that's going on right now, the division uh, that's all across is, as far as uh, the devil is using uh, racism, the devil is using uh, all different kinds of things today to destroy our nation. And the further and further and further we go, the more the devil will use, the more division that he will cause. You know, I believe that's why the Lord said in the book of Hebrews, why he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even more so as you see the day approaching. You know why? Because he, I think he shows us that as you continue on, and things get worse, and the apostasy comes, God's people are going to be, need to be more uniformed and united than ever before. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. The Bible says, Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Who's the he? That's the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is not going to allow the devil to have the free reign uh, that he needs to have on this earth until he's taken out of the way. When's the Holy Spirit taken out of the way? That's the rapture. When God's people are raptured up, in, up into heaven. When God's people are, are raptured up into heaven and the Holy Spirit is now taken away from the earth and the church is now gone. Because see, the Holy Spirit lives and dwells with inside of the church. And when the church is now gone, the Holy Spirit is gone and he is the one that is holding back the darkness. He is the one that's holding back the evil. And whenever the Holy Spirit of God is gone, when the church is raptured up, it is then... It is then when he's taken out of the way, verse 8, then shall the wicked be revealed. The capital W there, talking about the Antichrist. It is when the church is gone. It is when the Holy Spirit is gone. When God's people are gone. He says that's when the Antichrist will reveal himself. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord, watch this now, what's going to happen to him? Well, he moves on forward. He's given us, a, the Apostle Paul is giving us a really fast rundown of how it's going to happen. Then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Now what does that mean? Well, we know that when the Lord Jesus comes back, He's coming back on his white horse, amen. When Lord Jesus is coming back on his white horse there at the battle of Armageddon, God's people coming down behind him. And whenever the Lord Jesus comes down, the Bible says that he shows us that he smites the Antichrist with the sword that comes out of his mouth. The sword, which is the word of God. And the Apostle Paul bears witness to that fact right here, there in verse 8, when he says, Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. 
spirit of his mouth. What do you mean? What's spirit of his mouth mean? Well, the word spirit means to breathe, means breath. That's why God's word is God's breath. It's his inspiration. His spirit means breath. And so he's, the apostle Paul is saying the same thing that the apostle John said in the book of Revelation. Whenever he says when the Lord Jesus comes back, he's going to consume, he's going to smite the Antichrist with the sword, the word of God that comes out of his mouth. And the Antichrist and the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire there from the very beginning and the, there at the, at the battle of Armageddon. But he says, and when the spirit of his mouth shall he destroy with the brightness of his coming. Man, the Bible says, remember the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus whenever he had... Uh, uh, the Lord Jesus there and he had Peter, James and John and they were all up there on the mountain with the Lord and the Bible says the Lord Jesus shone as bright as bright as lightning. Can you imagine what, what, what sight that's going to be when the Lord Jesus comes back on his white horse and he is just shining as the noonday sun. Shining as a noonday sun. And as he comes down and he sees the false prophet and he sees the Antichrist and he sees all these people bowing against the people of God. And then the Lord Jesus comes out of heaven shining as bright as the sun and he smites and consumes the enemies before him. What a sight. The Bible shows us even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, there in verse 9, still talking about the Antichrist. With all power and signs and lying wonders, the Antichrist will be filled with the devil, empowered by the devil. And what will he do? Lying wonders, because that's what the devil does. What did the Lord Jesus call him? The Lord Jesus called the devil the what? The father of lies. Lord Jesus said when the devil speaks, he speaketh a lie because he is the father of them. The Bible says that he will, uh, he will be uh, filled with the devil there in verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And so the Holy Spirit, the church be raptured up into heaven. The man of sin will eventually reveal himself. And the Antichrist will sit on the throne there in Jerusalem declaring himself as God. And he will, he, he will tell everybody that they have to bow down and worship him. And all that oppose him will die. And the Lord Jesus comes back at the battle of Armageddon and the Bible says he's going to consume him. But the, de- but the Antichrist, the Bible says, will be filled with power and signs and lying wonders and he'll deceive people by the things that he does. And the Bible says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And so he's going to deceive the nations. He's going to deceive the people. And people are going to bow down to him and they're going to receive him. But they too will perish because they have rejected Christ and they are now anti-Christ. Why is that? Why will they perish? Why will they be cast into a devil's hell? Because the Bible says there in verse 10, that they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They turned away from the truth and they turned away from the offer of Christ. 
And so the Bible says the Antichrist is going to step on the scene and he's going to deceive people with his lying wonders and he's going to have, he's going to have power and he's going to do all kinds of things and when people see him, they're going to say he must be God and he's going to declare himself as God and people are going to bow down and worship him. They're going to take the mark of the beast on their head or in their, fore, uh, on their, in their uh, right hand or on their forehead and forever seal their fate. And the Bible says that they will perish. They will believe the lie. They will believe these, these lying wonders. They will believe all these things because they receive not the love of the truth. What is the love of the truth? That's the gospel of Christ. And because they didn't receive it, the Bible says uh, that they were not saved. There in verse 11, the Bible says, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So there'll be many folks that do get saved during the tribulation period. But we also know that by the teaching of the word of God here, the Bible says there's going to be a lot of people that don't get saved. There's going to be a lot of people that that are going to die lost. There's going to be a lot of people that will accept the mark of the beast. There's going to be a lot of people that will just fall prey to it. Because they rejected the gospel. They rejected the love of the truth. And when they rejected God, their hearts became darkened and their minds became darkened. What does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians? It happened to the people when they rejected God. The Bible says that their minds were darkened. And they began to pollute themselves, pollute their own bodies and pollute their own minds, doing all kinds of evil, wicked things and worshiping idols and serving things made with their own hands. Why? Because they rejected the light that was given to them. And when they rejected Christ, their hearts and minds became darkened. And the Lord, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that he gave them up to a reprobate mind. And the Bible shows us here in the last days that the Antichrist, as he, as he gets everybody to bow down and worship him, as he does all these lying wonders, the Bible says that God will send strong delusion so that they believe this lie. You say, why is that? Why would God do that? They've already rejected Christ. God gave them over. The Bible says there in verse 11, for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. What's the purpose? Verse 12, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so they rejected God, they rejected Christ, they rejected the blood, they rejected heaven. And so what happened is, is that because they rejected the love of truth, because they rejected grace and mercy, what happened is, is God gave them over in essence to a reprobate mind. And they began to, uh, they began to serve and worship the Antichrist. The Bible says that God sends this strong delusion. Uh, they, they believe the Antichrist. And the whole purpose is, is so that they would be damned because they have rejected Jesus. The Bible says in verse 13, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. There in verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 13, that's not a proof of Calvinism when he says chosen you to be saved. 
Listen, God's chose us all to be saved. We just don't choose Him for salvation. You say, well, you mean God's chosen all of us to be saved? Well, the Bible says He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So why would God choose some to go to heaven, some to go to hell, if He's chosen everybody uh, uh, to, to, uh, to have the opportunity to get saved? So you say, what are we talking about here? The Bible's talking about there in verse 13, just saying that from the beginning, God has done everything He's could. God done everything He could. From the very beginning, God's worked on their heart. From the very beginning, uh, God has reached out to people, but the people have rejected Him. From the very beginning, He chose them. He wanted them to be saved. He wanted them to be sanctified and set apart and made holy in Christ. He wanted them to believe in the Spirit and, and to believe in the truth. But they didn't. They rejected it. The Bible says in verse 12, they had pleasure in unrighteousness. And they turned from God because they enjoyed the pleasure of their sin. They rejected the doctrine of the Lord Jesus. And because of that, they sealed their fate into eternal damnation. And the Bible says in verse 14, Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus. He says, listen, we preach to you the gospel so that you could receive Christ. The gospel was going out so people could accept Jesus. But people turned away. You know, the Bible tells us that the Lord shows us that the Lord didn't create hell for God, didn't create hell for people. The Bible says he created hell for the devil and his angels. Of course, God knew people wouldn't get saved. God knew people were going to go to hell, but he didn't create hell for that purpose. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. You've heard me say this one time. You've heard me say it many. If you die and go to hell, you die and go to hell because you rejected Jesus, because you turned away from Christ. You chose to go there, not because God didn't want you. The Bible says there in verse 14, he says, Whereunto he called you by our gospel, we preach to you the truth. Just as the truth was preached to them from the beginning, and uh, but, 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 they didn't, but they didn't choose it. Listen, the Lord Jesus was choosing them, but they wasn't choosing Jesus. And so, and so they died lost, living in the pleasure of unrighteousness. In verse 14, he says, we, he says, whereunto he called you by our gospel, the very same gospel that went to them, the same gospel that went to you, and you obtained the glory of the Lord Jesus. You got saved. You accepted Christ. But there's going to be people that come that will not. And there in verse 15, he says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. And so he tells them and encourages them. And there in verse 15, he says, Listen, you're not in the tribulation period yet. The rapture hasn't taken place yet. There hasn't been an apostasy from Christ yet. He says, so don't be so shaken in your mind. But he does let them know that, listen, the time's coming where people are going to walk away from the church. People are going to walk away from Christ. People are going to be more interested in themselves and everything else than they are, uh, than they are about the Lord. And shows us here in verse 15 that we have to stand fast. He shows us there in verse 15 that people are going to walk away from God and that in the last days you need to stand fast and hold the traditions, hold to the truth. 
Don't allow your place of worship. Don't allow your church to become a place that is filled with seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh, you don't, don't you go to a place like that. Don't allow your church to be a place like that. He says you're going to have to hold fast, hold true to the truth that's in Christ. Stay true to the doctrines of the faith. You know what's right. It's been taught to you. Stay true to it. Because in the last days when people are walking away from the truth, in the last days when people are uh, being led away by seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, in the last days where people are uh, seeking to go somewhere where somebody would just tickle their ears and give them some kind of prosperity gospel and sugarcoat the message and tell them just how good they are, not how sinful they are. Where folks are just, uh, people are just telling them, listen, you're okay, you ain't got nothing to worry about. And listen, there's a lot of people tonight that want to sit in a church where the preacher just tell them that they're okay and the way they're living's okay and their fornication's okay, their drinking's okay, that, that pornography's okay, that, uh, that, that, that all these things is okay. It's all all right. The Lord will just wink at it. And then when you die lost and you go to hell, you're going to remember all those things that were said. I thought he said I was fine. You've heard me say this before. There's no, there's no atheist in hell tonight. Everyone's a believer. And every one of them wished that they can come back and have the opportunity that you got right now to sit here in this pew and accept Christ as their Savior. But it'll never happen. And their time is done. And there is no second chance. And the devil's doing everything he can to destroy churches across America today, destroy churches all across the world today, to get them to fall into the world system. If the world says it's okay and if the majority is okay and if it's popular, then it's okay. Listen, if the world says it's okay and it's popular with the world, you probably ought to, it's probably just two red flags that should go up right there that should make you wonder. The Bible shows us here in verse 15, he says, you're going to have to stand fast, hold the traditions. Hold to what you know is true. Hold to what you know is right. Hold the line. You ever heard anybody say that before? Hold the line. Now, so we have to do as a church. We've got to hold the line. Don't matter what age it is. Don't matter what's going on in society. As a church, we have to hold the line. We have to say, this is what God said. What, what, did the, what did the Apostle Peter say whenever he was confronted by all these things? He said, you know, it's better to obey God than men. The Bible shows us here in verse 16, he says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Notice there in verse 16, I know we need to leave, but there in verse 16 he says, 
talking about the Lord Jesus and our Father God, the Bible says that He has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope. Where do we receive, how do we receive this everlasting consolation, which is comfort and this good hope? How do we receive that? It's through His grace by His love. Verse 17, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Hold the line, keep the faith. Stay true to what you know is right. Because Jesus is coming back. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you so much for your word tonight. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. And Lord, I pray that you would help us all. Now, Lord, help all of your people in these last days. Uh, Lord, we all need to be strengthened. And, uh, and God, I pray that uh, you would help your church here in these last days, that you would manifest your presence and your great glory and your power. And, and God, we pray that you would send great revival our way and that, Lord, that you would uh, move in hearts and move in families and move in churches all across the world. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us here tonight. God, you'd keep us safe, give us a good rest of the week, and bring us back to our next appointed time on Sunday. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.